0: Welcome, everyone, to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing?
1: Doing great, man. In fucking Nashville, hanging out with my boy, Brandon Green, drinking some beers. This is actually my third podcast of the day, so I've been drinking for every single one of them.
0: What? You've been doing podcasts without me? Dude, I'm I'm trying to... What podcast have you been on?
1: I'm trying to stimulate the Bitcoin Magazine podcast arsenal, so... I I'm just here to uh, pour some gasoline on the fire. Don't worry, I'm not cheating on you that much.
0: Not not that much. <laughs> David How's it he's going, really Brandon? good.
2: It's going great. <laughs> it's going real great. Uh here here with my buddy Christian, can't believe he's finally in town. He haven't been over to Nashville what since like uh early it's early 2019. Yeah, and it's so been a while. Good to see your beautiful face and uh you know, I missed you since Bitcoin 2019 that happened uh, back a while back. We got an exciting podcast for you guys.
1: Obviously, y'all already know Brandon. This is the second time on the podcast. But before we get into all of that, we want to introduce you to our sponsor, the Haven Privacy App. I recently went onto the app and I was just absolutely blown away by just the amount of stuff that's on there. Like people are really getting in there and, you know, selling their stuff, stacking stats privately on the app. My programming Bitcoin book is still on there, you know, I guess y'all are not interested in paying me $200 worth of Satoshis for for the book, maybe I need to lower the price, but hit me up bros, like let's go, like this is a collectible edition, the authenticity has been timestamped onto the Bitcoin blockchain, like you can't get more Bitcoin than this guys.
0: Yeah, I've actually been poking around in there too and and I downloaded the app when Haven first was our sponsor over a month ago and and they've I mean they've gone on this marketing effort right with with the uh, podcasting advertisements but the amount of uh liquidity if you will of both items and buying and selling on there is is pretty solid so it's turning into a very real marketplace. So if you have anything of value that you value less than the market, go ahead and put it on Haven app and see what happens.
1: Let's just get right into this. Uh, Brandon Green was on our show. I think, when was it? Very early. Yeah, it was pretty early on. I think it was before 2019 even started. So in 2018. Um, I think it was uh, uh, January 2019. It was the Jordan episode. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, Podcast number 23. Yeah.
2: This is going to be like 84 or something like that. Oh, my gosh. You guys have been busy. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, yeah, no, it was uh, it was right in the middle, or really the tail end of just the bitter, bitter bear market, uh, and you know, uh, it was it was a cold, cold winter for sure. And but uh, I was proud of myself in that I was able to you know muster up some gall and say, I think this is it. Like, I think this is the bottom. Uh, and it turned out that uh, it was the bottom and uh, we didn't go any lower. Thank goodness, because man, it was not fun being down there for so long. And, and uh, I'm glad we kind of turned back around and man, you know, 8,500 or 8,300, wherever we're at right now. Uh, we're-, we're dipping hard. We're <laughs> dipping hard. Hey, you know, it feels great in dipping. comparison.
0: Hey, I, I think, we, Brandon was here at the last bottom, and I think well the the, the local bottom f- for while this is getting recorded was like seventy eight hundred, but we're pretty close to that, and I think we're at the bottom again. It's it's uphill from here, boys.
2: Well, you know, uh, uh, gosh, I'm literally looking at the price right now to see if I can find where we're at.
1: Let
0: me
2: get. So while, while he's doing that, I
1: actually disagree. We're, we oh, going what? lower. We going, going lower. Lower. Bitcoin's going to do it for me because I don't have enough sats yet.
2: I don't have enough stats.
0: No, we're not going lower.
2: So here's what I think. All right, and uh, uh, hold the bike. <laughs> here we go. Um, I'm a big believer that Bitcoin, more than anything, is just—it's a contrarian market. It's whatever everyone thinks is going to happen, the opposite's going to happen. I think right now uh, we have—we still have too many people who are a little bit bullish on uh, the price, and so I think we're going to dip a little bit more. I don't think it's going to be that much. I think maybe uh, if we hit like that, uh, I don't think we'll go any lower than 6K. And if we're hitting like 6,500, 6,700, 7K, even like I'm, I'm really going in hard on uh, you know some, some uh, bullish scenarios. So like uh, I think this is you know the the correction we needed uh, in order to get everyone a little bit unsure about what Bitcoin's mm-hmm. going to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get enough people flipping bearish in that uh, kind of jolt down to you know low sevens uh upper to mid sixes and then from there i think we just springboard uh uh and here's you know the bold prediction is i could see in a pretty short time us going from you know that 7k mark to a uh 18 or That was my alarm to go to the gym. Good thing I'm here drinking beer instead. No, I I see. (laughs) Yeah, that's over. (laughs) I see us going maybe to like, uh, dude, even maybe 18, 19 K in like a pretty sharp uh, uh, run up. It could even be before the end of the year.
0: No way.
2: End of the year? Maybe before the end of the year, maybe early next year. But, you know, there's just something about like uh, we're so ripe for a, a big upswing and we haven't even hit all time highs yet. We're marching towards the happening right now. Like, the the market's primed to have some pretty shocking movement, in my opinion. And uh, uh, I think it. we just have to all be primed to expect the opposite first. And so that's why I think we're going to dip down, make everyone feel bearish. Everyone has a little pit in their stomach, and they're like, let me take some leverage off the table. And then wham, it, uh, Bitcoin hits us it with a nice back, little yeah. upswing.
1: Yeah. David, yeah, I, how are you feeling about the ETH chart?
0: Uh, I mean
1: eth usd let's let's keep it easy we don't want you to cry here
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of hard to pull it away from bitcoin honestly i'm a terrible charter and at the end of the day it's at what 175 right now and it fell down to like 160 or one like 55 was like the bottom of the wick and the the all-time low for ether was like 82 dollars, right so we're like 2x it's all-time low and so, and so like, it's so close to the bottom, like, damn, like you can't, you can't fall that far when you're so close to zero. I'm, I'm sure so many Bitcoiners are super happy about it, that. I just said that, but it, the real question is like, do you think that like how close to the, the back, the bottom, bottom do you think we're going to get? And I just don't think that that Ether's going too much further. there. It's going to see a lot of resistance um, just because the ratio is, is, is too strong uh, to, between Bitcoin and Ether, right? And so, like, I think Ether wants to stay away from its floor, and Bitcoin could has more floor to fall through. And so, if we're talking about a bearish uh, next two three months, um, I think there's going to be more more resistance from Ether staying higher than you know the, its basement. Um, that's my only thought, really.
2: I'm gonna make some jaws drop here because everyone knows how much of a Bitcoiner I am. I think Ether's due for a good rally. I think, uh, uh, Ethereum's branding is so strong. they like the new, con- so one of my big theories of what's going to be a, a major driver of the next market is when countries and central banks start dipping their toes into, uh, having some reserve amount of Bitcoin.
1: Wait, uh, you, you think this is in
2: the 2020, 2022 time frame? Like, dude, there are some countries out there who have nothing to lose. I'm talking like Venezuela. I'm talking, you know, some I mean, of these. They're uh, probably already, like they're mining. We know that. Well, so right. so this country is not incentivized at all to tell anyone that they're doing this, right? They want to keep this on the DL while they're accumulating until they get to a point that they feel comfortable, you know, that they have enough that they want to announce it so they can flip the market real quick. Right. And everyone's going to be like, holy cow, like they already even, have it. Like
0: Even Venezuela has enough like clout to move the Bitcoin market. Get as as worthless as that country is
2: exactly but you know i don't think uh venezuelans or the venezuelan government uh is anti Ethereum, and so i can see them in the same breath as accumulating a lot of bitcoin i could see them getting a little eth bag uh, uh and you know they can legitimize ethereum uh in the same way that they'll you know not that bitcoin needs to be legitimized but they'll they'll push bitcoin even higher into that new echelon of Uh, you know, world reserve currency, uh, potential status. But, you know, Ethereum, uh, I'm not a a long-term ETH bull, but Ethereum is like a a project that has brought, you know, new paradigms into the space. It's it's brought a whole lot of new investors to look at Bitcoin in the first place. It's got the Silicon Valley uh, uh, kind of panache to it. Mm -hmm. I think Ethereum is due for a pretty dang... Yeah, no, I'm wearing my long Bitcoin short, the bankers shirt, shout out, pump. You know, being overly bearish on Ethereum in the middle of a Bitcoin bull market is uh, ridiculous. Like, you know, they're going to pump together. There's going to be a <laughs> pumping of Bitcoin and people are like, oh, Bitcoin's already gone up so much. It's so expensive. I'm going to buy it. You know, all that kind of stuff is going to happen again. It's happened in every bull market, even back to like the 2013, 2014 bull market. There were some coins out there that you've never heard of that pumped hard. Because Bitcoin was pumping and it was too expensive, so it's just like, yeah, it, it's a matter of time before we get the same kind of market dynamic.
0: And and like same thing with when big money comes into crypto, like they don't have uh, tribalism or opinions about crypto, right? They know Bitcoin, and then they know there's some other stuff. Maybe they know Ethereum too. And so when when they get into crypto, they're like, all right, we're going to allocate money towards crypto. We're gonna we're gonna buy Bitcoin. We're gonna buy, you know. X number of millions of dollars of Bitcoin. And but once you make that, that decision is way harder to make than also following up with, and we're going to buy whatever's number two. Look, let's go look at coin market cap. What's number two? It's this thing called Ethereum. Let's look into it. Then let's allocate some amount of portfolio to Ethereum, right? And so, like, say you have a hundred million portfolio and you do 80% Bitcoin and 20% Ethereum. Well, I mean, Ethereum's like, of Bitcoin. So when, when we talk about price movements, it actually means a lot for Ethereum because of that small amount of money going into Ethereum proportionally, it can really pump ether. And so there are these investors, investors are inherently not maximalists, right? They're trying to uh, diversify. And so they're going to go into crypto and be like, all right, let's spread things out. Uh, I mean, fuck, maybe then they buy Bitcoin cash, but hopefully they do at least a few, a few moments of research. But um, yeah, so like that, it's, it's going to be good for, good for definitely the, the one and the number one and the number two.
1: You know it's number three, though? Fucking Ripple. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: true. It's like token for the banks, guys. Come on. <laughs> Ripple's going to rip. Uh, well, you know, but so, so like I agree. And I'm not saying that this is the right way to do it. And I'm not saying that this is going to pay off well uh, in the long term, you know, uh, what, 10 years down the road kind of thing for people investing into Ethereum. You know, uh, you can't get me to be a a perma ETH bull like I am with Bitcoin, but it is ludicrous to think that Bitcoin succeeds in this next bull market and ETH is just left in the dust. It's not going to happen. And so in my opinion, you know, like from my vantage point, uh, gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but like, how do I stack more sats? You know, maybe there's a way that I, there's a way to trade Ether so that I can get more Bitcoin. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Go ahead.
0: You should, you should come to DeFi, and you should uh, buy WBTC, and, which, which is price exposed to Bitcoin, right? It's not Bitcoin. You don't get, they're not Satoshis. They're something else, but it's price exposed. What <laughs> <Who> are you? <laughs> <laughs> you can buy a bunch of those. You can put them into compound. You can draw a die off of your collateral, and then you can buy more WBTC and put them into compound. So you can get organic leverage that way. I mean, I guess you could just do the same thing on BitMEX, but I mean, it's, it's trustless kind of.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, at some point that feels like a, a perpetual motion machine that somehow like I'm continuing to print more, uh, die. That's buying more Bitcoin. It's, that's called, printing called, more leverage. it's yeah, called leverage. leverage. It's it, it ends up being leveraged. Sure. It,
0: but, uh, uh And it can unravel if it goes down, right? But it also is leverage if it goes up.
1: When you're at the
2: bottom, leveraging up is good. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, all this to be said, this is all ways that I am trying to figure out, you know, how can I get more Bitcoin for this next bull market? Uh, Uh, And so, you know, the people who made the most money in the last bull market were the ones who always counted their alpha in Bitcoin, but they invested in everything that they could find. You know, and, and those people, you know, the people who were the, the Bitcoin permable, I'm not going to touch anything else because it's all a scam. They made a lot of money too, but they didn't make as much money as the ones who said, you know, like, yeah, I'll buy some of this. I'll buy some of that. I'll buy some of that. And I'll make sure that I make Bitcoin by doing it.
1: Yeah, that, that was definitely the right position for those in 2017. I think it's definitely a gamble going into the future just because we, I don't know what flavor of the Scambrian explosion we're going to experience, but I doubt it's going to be exactly the same as 2017. But I must say, I was a pretty heavy, I was a pretty heavy Bitcoin maximalist, even more of a Bitcoin maximalist now. I would say that back then I was just like straight up Bitcoin maximalist. Everything's a scam except for Bitcoin. Now I think I have more nuanced views. But even then, you know, I was really fucking jealous of David. David had bought a bunch of XRB. Uh David yeah. fucking bought a bunch of uh Spank during the ICO. And he like
0: Spank chain at two and a half cents, XRB at uh oh, two one one and two dollars. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'm just yeah. sitting there fucking with my tail between my legs, just like watching David get like thousand X gains, and I'm like, motherfuck.
2: Well, and like that's that's the problem, right? It's like I know that I'm right, but I also know that I'm missing out on a whole lot of potential gains in Bitcoin because I just like I can't bring myself to to you know buy something else. But you know, in the long run, uh, that was. Obviously, a mistake because I could have made so much more Bitcoin if I had just understood where, like, what the market was trying to do, uh, which was obvious to me and like obvious to anyone who's in this space, uh, and just actually try to take advantage of it.
0: Well, I mean, this is just finance, right? Like, finance is risk, right? And so, basically, what you're talking about is there were a bunch of opportunities to invest in things to make more money, and in your head, money is Bitcoin. But if you want to make more money, you have to take risk. You have to go invest in stuff. So this is just the age old age-old truth of what finance is. The difference is that the finance, the finance cycles in crypto last like two years. So like every two years, there's this new <laughs> cycle of crazy opportunities that you have to be ready for.
2: Right, and most of the opportunities last like a total of three to five days. You know, where you're going to get eighty percent of your returns. Three to yeah. five months, maybe. <laughs> well, well, I mean specifically trying to get more Bitcoin in some we of these other months. projects. Yeah. You got like a, a five day window to get eighty percent of your returns. Otherwise, you know, you miss the boat.
0: Like, do you guys think that you will be able to make more Bitcoins from decred?
2: Ooh, because
0: uh, like I think I would I would be inclined to think yes, but again, like. Decred's like the opposite, right? Like Decred is the multi-cycle long-term hold in order for that narrative to unfold. So like D- I think Decred will pump and pump big at some point, but I don't think that it it could happen between now and like 10, like ten years from now.
2: Well, here's, here's what I think is, you know, the market is going to be simple first. What is the most obvious, easy kind of uh, to understand narrative built around a project? And then uh, those will be the first ones and the most heavy movers that you'll get the biggest upside in. And so I think it'll be the, you know, uh, uh, you know, I hate it, but the ripples who, you know, can easily try to still say that they're a bank coin and all the banks are going to use it. And like, Oh, you know, my my grandma can kind of understand what that means. And she might, she won't because I won't let her, but she might, you know, grab a bag. uh, And, Ethereum saying that, you know, you're, we're Bitcoin, but we have smart contracts in our layer one. You know, like uh, people will get what you mean when you say that and they'll they'll buy into it. Uh, and just on a really simplistic level. Now, obviously, Bitcoin uh, will absorb, in my opinion, all of that uh, and kind of already is. But it's just a matter of like uh, uh, the sim- more simplistic the narrative, the more likely they're going to have upside in the next bull market where there's going to be a swath of a hundred times the number of people in this space right now are going to come in and fall head over heels into the rabbit hole. And so it's like those people are the ones that you're uh, uh, getting upside from, uh, not in, you know, uh, in other projects because ultimately they're greater fools. Right. But uh, uh, the ones that will stay will slowly, I think, move over to Bitcoin, except for those Davids who, you know, stay underneath. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because there's things for every person that you think is going to move over to Bitcoin, there's going to be a person who's like using an application and be like, yeah, but my application's not there.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only application that matters is making more money. So, Bitcoin is very good at that.
0: On the, All of on the, the tone, applications on Ethereum make you money. That's what they are for. The first e- except if you're measuring it in Bitcoin. Okay,
1: but let's talk about <laughs> Decred really quick. Let's talk about Bitcoin re- or Decred really quick. You um, measure it in so DAI,
0: which is nice and stable. Stable frame down
1: because it's the dollar. Okay, let's <laughs> let's keep going. So, um, talking about yeah, Decred. Let's, let's
0: ignore the, these holes in first, my argument and move
1: on. Per- <laughs> personally ecred is probably the only altcoin since i got into bitcoin that i've purchased with bitcoin it makes it, it makes a hole in my stomach i immediately bought the satoshi's back with fiat but in purchasing dcred it's not so i can make more bitcoin it's strictly to diversify it's like it's a diversification away from uh th- from the Bitcoin way at finding the same end result uh so personally for me, I'm not trying to trade it in for more bitcoin i'm I'm just it's it's going to moon or it's going to zero. I don't care. it's a diversification bag um, I'm not bullish, I'm not expecting it to uh to become the next big thing, but if it does, I have a nice percentage of the network
2: yeah, I mean it makes sense i'm just uh, uh I'm not in decred I haven't really followed their story that much. Uh, I know that they've got a really good team, uh, but you know, one of the, the most scarce resources in all of crypto is uh, time and like your ability to divert attention to learn yet another paradigm. And so it's just like uh, uh, that one is just one that I haven't you know zoomed in on yet, and you know maybe you never will. But uh, uh, kudos to you and you know to the Moon Man. Yeah, don't don't hate me, people. <laughs>
0: The only reason why I, I bring, it up, bring it up is because it seems to be the opposite of all the other like get get rich quick schemes where like oh it pumps and dumps in, in a very quick cycle. Don't like give it them seems too much to be like uh, uh, over a longer longer because I mean they have it has a real community and so I think that the value proposition is going to be accrued over a longer time period. Anyway, Do I don't feel want the to same talk way about, about too much. Oh yeah, totally. Token mechanics are insane.
1: Cool. Well, I think one of the big things that Brandon wanted to talk about, and I know that we've wanted to talk about this for a long time, is going back to kind of how the real world, the real world education system is working. Um, and I know this is a complete 180 from speculating on Bitcoin and shitcoins, But uh, I think this is something that all three of us have, you know, a really strong
2: opinion on. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll just let you take it away. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, if you want to follow the train of thought into this world, so it's not just a crazy jump. Uh, I just spent, you know, 10 minutes talking about how investing into other coins that I ultimately think are going to be worthless might get me more Bitcoin because there's greater fools who will understand a very blanket narrative that like actually means nothing in the long term. You know, why are people uh, uh, so susceptible to this whole paradigm of just like, Oh this makes sense uh and other people are telling me to do it so I'm just going to do it kind of thing. And I think what's happening is that uh we aren't teaching critical thinking in our world anymore at all. We we like worship and we value and we uphold the uh the follower who uh is the most you know uh out, outs like Outsized, huge person to just uh, uh, push a narrative that someone's given them. You know, like uh, uh, they're going to be the most outspoken woke person that there is, uh, and by doing that, they're like protected by being in the the morally right fed kind of uh, uh, person. But no one is trying to dissect like the fundamental tenets of what they are even standing for anymore. And I think that that starts from uh, what, like the, the system that taught us how to think.
0: I would definitely say that I have learned as much of my not total knowledge in the time I've been in crypto as I learned in university. And even the stuff that I learned in university. I mean we we could get really conspiratorial here but it's all uh, uh Dean would call it fake knowledge or fiat knowledge because like I I took nutrition classes right and so they were all like eat your grains and cereal and you know <laughs> make it like have room leave room for dessert but it's at the top so don't eat too much and then I go through my own endeavor and, and discover you know paleo keto lifestyle and Feel and it feels like Safedine's argument, right? And I would never have learned that in the traditional system because of the the, the corruption and the malincentives behind lobbyists uh, and and people just pro, uh, pumping their industries in governments. Uh, and so, like, it, we could we could totally do a very Bitcoiner podcast and talk about how
2: Bitcoin fixes this.
0: But like, <laughs> hey,
2: you know, it, uh, you know, CK and I would be into that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, you know, uh, uh, to your point, nutrition's a really interesting example of how education in general has just failed the public. Uh, mm-hmm. And what it comes from is it comes from this uh, standpoint that we know what we know and we know what we don't know. That's just not the case. Like we don't know what we don't know. And when it came to nutrition, we all thought like, oh, we've got this pyramid that uh, uh, works and everyone's living longer. So, the, you know, mm-hmm. eating this way must be the right way to eat and blah, blah, blah. When in actuality, no one had even, uh, you know, dove into the, the microbiome and what kind of mm-hmm. bacteria are eating. They did, different... didn't even know
0: to ask, right? They didn't know that exactly.
2: was a thing. But, but, you know, what causes that in part, I think, in my opinion, right, is that we go through a system where there's a right answer to everything. And mm-hmm. it's the people who have the answers that are the smart people uh, right. instead of the people who are asking the right questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Because there's there are experts, right? And so if you want to discover if uh, saturated fat is good for you, you go to the experts and they tell you no. Uh, and so the experts are figuring, getting their knowledge from whatever the, the government is writing. And in 1973, the American Heart Association took a $7.3 million payment from... Uh, what's that? Oh, God damn it.
1: Some lobbyists. No, it, it was, it's
0: whoever, uh, it's like the canola oil company, right? Which is industrial grade seed oil. Crisco? Or Crisco. It was Crisco. Thank you. they took a $7.3 million payment to say Crisco is heart healthy. Uh, and it's just insane. Like they all the corruption is there. Um, and it, and it just trickles down into the people who are asking experts, what should I eat? Um, and, and so totally. like, they, they're, And so this is actually I've gotten into a debate with my sister, my mom about this a lot, because like when I tell them about how I've come to my conclusions about how grass fed meat is like the best thing that you can eat. She's like, all right, show me the science. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. You go to the people that are treating other people. You go to the practitioners. You don't go to the scientists because they're the ones that have the real world anecdotes. And when they are doing their their job, which is to make people healthier and their livelihood depends on being able to make people healthier. They're the ones learning the most. And when they give out grass-fed meat to everyone and they tell them to lift weights and they get better, that's that's the information I want. And so they're an expert because their hands are in the dirt working rather than sitting down reading or writing texts. Holy shit, you just sound like the
1: Seemtelab <laughs>
0: Jr. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the guys, yeah, they skin they in the got, game
1: motherfuckers. Apart, well, so
0: apart from me, it's kind of mean, but yeah.
1: he is mean on twitter but apparently all the wise ass motherfuckers
2: are like (laughs) safety totally uh but so you know i wasn't even expecting to kind of dive into nutrition but i think nutrition is a good example kind of of a lot of what's wrong with our society and uh you know a funny thing to look at too is the um uh new york times article i think that just came out like yesterday or something like that where they came out and said this new study has said that uh uh meat and you know uh all the kind of uh red meat and cured Mm. meat and uh everything like that is is actually not that bad for you like maybe it's good for you i saw that one and then the next day retweeted it yeah but like the next Mm -hmm. day i think like today they've come out with another article now Mm. saying uh Actually, meat is bad for you.
0: Just (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Scratch uh, that. Jeez, like,
2: I wonder who jumped into their editors Uh ear and said, like, Mm -hmm. we can't publish this, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. and one of the funny things is that one of the big arguments about uh, meat being bad for you is that it hurts the environment. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's actually, you know, it's true the way that we, you know, farm meat right now. It's not Mm -hmm. good for the environment. Totally agree with that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, That's not nutrition. That's, that's Mm -hmm. something totally different. But because right. it's bad for the environment, we're now trying to feed a narrative where it's also bad for you. And like, uh, uh, those are two separate things that should both be taken into account, but they're, they're not the same thing.
1: And on top of that, it there's a lot of, I, I don't want to say studies, but there's a lot of evidence that shows that industrial farming in general, whether it's corn, whether it's beef, whether it's chicken, it doesn't matter. Industrial farming is bad for the environment and yeah. natural ways of growing cattle having them roam free range having mm-hmm. them be in a freaking forest like that's actually good for the environment and guess what when cattle are amongst trees and grass that mm-hmm. absorbs a lot of sand and carbon that comes okay. out of them because that's what the trees need right so when you start messing with the natural way that things happen yeah shit goes out of whack
2: well, yeah, and, and to your point too, and I, I am not a nutritionist, so like- uh, yeah, I'm not I a scientist. Be, yeah, I should be talking about this as little as possible. <laughs> From what I understand, uh, the, I'm a chemical engineering background, so like, I, I can understand some of this, but it's the fact that we feed cattle uh, in, the, in the big industrial farms. We feed them corn instead of grass. We, yeah, uh, we feed
0: them fucking Skittles.
2: Yeah. Uh, they because eat Skittles. We, we feed them the Sorry. wrong kind of diet. It makes them uh, uh, gassy, believe it or not. <laughs> And mm-hmm. so it's the gassiness of them having basically unfully di- uh, digested things in their stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the methane that's coming out, and like that's where the methane's coming from. Trees don't eat methane, mm-hmm. but like we can prevent that from happening if we just give them like a real diet. I mean, picture if we fed all the human race uh, milk nonstop, Corn, right? You get you get a lot of milk. You get a lot of farts coming from people. <laughs> so and some so the fart's gonna be methane too. But like, should we? end the feeding of people no you know like let's just feed them right
0: so i've actually spent a ton of time like learning about grass-fed meat and and how this all works out and so i went up to uh one of the the, one of the butchers i go to and talked about where like where they get their meat and they said that they've they took like a company field trip to go out to this farm and like just hang out with the cows and i spent like 30 minutes there just talking about uh, cows to this butcher and he said that um Cows that are like factory farmed, like the concentrated feeding operations, the ones that just fuck everything up, uh, they're fed like purely corn, and then they also like plastic and skittles is are is just mixed into their to their food, and so, and then Why skittles because uh, because it's sugar, it's fucking sugar, and makes it it makes it good. It's like candy to them, just like it's candy to us. And so and then a cow is typically raised for like anywhere between twelve and eighteen months before slaughter, because like that's they're gonna get maximally big, and so that's maximal. Um, you know, profit and so, but the thing is, like, so they slaughter them at around like 14 15 months or something. But if you keep on feed, if they if you if you keep a cow alive with that diet, they're going to die around 20 months, anyways, because the stomach ulcers in their gut from the shitty food that they're eating is going to kill them, anyways. It's just insane. And so, like, the animal and like, I'm a, and this is where it gets into things that I don't have evidence to back up, but I'm pretty sure. That if you have a stressed out, unhappy animal, it's going to produce, because that that goes right into their hormones, right? And hormones are the fundamental base layer of what your health is. Like if you have balanced hormones, you're a healthy person. So these cows have fucked up hormones their entire life and they're stressed out in these like terror operations that are concentrating feeding operations. And so they're just the most stressed out animal. And then you eat this, this meat that is just a product of this stressed out, unhappy animal. And so, when we talk about trying to save the environment and actually like not have out unhealthy animals, I think the best way to do that is to figure out how do we incentivize grass-fed, pasture-raised, like open land cows that go and like trample up the dirt and allow for plants to grow. Because where big animals walk, plants follow. They're a necessary prerequisite towards putting like reforestation. And so we can figure if we can figure out how to get everyone to buy grass-fed meat, we can, like, fucking stampede cows through the Saharan desert and through, like, all of the, the Amazon rainforest that just burned down. And then the, the fucking trees will be uh, following them wherever they walk. And then, boom, we just solved uh, climate change, kind of.
1: No, no, that's not how you do it. Just get some fucking uh, can't believe it's
2: not meat and, you know, just process that <laughs> shit. We're good. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. I think I saw like maybe it was a, I don't know, it was a TED talk or a, a, a podcast with someone talking about as, as wild as what you're saying about like just stampede animals through. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been like actual studies that have found that literally doing that, like having wildlife mass migrate through an area is mm-hmm. something that that area actually needs in order to, like, Absolutely. flourish uh, in terms of the biological, like, life there. So it's, like, you, what you're saying is actually, like, scientifically researched mm-hmm. and found, like, 10 times out of 10, which is well, wild So
0: the Dust Bowls, the Dust Bowls no, in, in the 1920s, the Dust Bowls <laughs> cool. happened because we killed all the bison. Like, the Dust Bowls didn't happen because of mass farming. It happened because we killed all the bison, and there was no plants that, that grew because all the, all the big plants that held the dirt down died.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure it also had to do with the fact that we just had poor farming practices in general. Yeah, but I could true, yeah. totally see that, like, you know, uh, just disrupting the the natural ecosystem so severely. And like, we're all surprised when the ecosystem that's there changes like dramatically. Like, come on, guys. Well, we're smarter than that.
1: Hey, I want to actually want to bring this back to crypto because I think yeah, that there's that's a, what I
0: was going to do. How does Bitcoin fix this? Can we talk about that?
1: Well, I mean, if you're a Bitcoiner, you fucking love red meat, but um no I, I want to bring this back to crypto because like the government is telling us what to eat, the government mm-hmm. is going in and and printing fiat and subsidizing all of these farms and all this bullshit, right like if we had something that took that took away that ability for central planning to dictate and be an interventionist and kind of influence in a mass way, how things are done. And it was more organic, more local, uh, more market-based. I really do think that the results would be drastically different.
2: You know, and uh, to your point there too, and then uh, I will not go any further than saying this, but the government does not want its people to be happy. All right, let me explain. Like Democrats on the one hand, Want you to be as unhappy with Trump as possible because they want you to work very hard to get him out of there. Right. And so, like, their goal is not is like a, a fearful and an angry populace is really easy to point in one direction and tell them to just go. Right. It's the most controllable population you can possibly get. Trump, on the other hand, you know, is trying to rail against the Democrats and make his uh, uh, position even stronger. And the immigrants. And the, yeah, and everything that Trump rails against. Jeez. Uh, but you know, he also is not like he's sitting there saying everything's great, you know, like uh, uh, d- just calm down. You know, don't worry about it. Politics is fine. China, like, China, no. China. Yeah, he, he's all he does is tweet about how like terrible the world is and how the Democrats are all against him. And they're, you know, taking over in deep state, deep state. And, you know, there's truth to that. Like, like, don't get me wrong. There's definitely truth to everything that he's saying to uh, some degree. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's say. Yeah, 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 not everything he's saying. Pump the brakes on that. Trump ain't a saint. But let's be real. Like, uh, anger and fear are the two biggest driving factors to uh, create action. And and the the government has figured that out just as much as you know the media has figured that out. And everyone's just trying to make us get angry all the time. It's like, gosh, who's who is still incentivized to make us want to be happy? Like who's who's still out there on the side of humanity, <laughs> orange coin.
0: So yes. well, that's what Andrew Yang wants to do, right? And so like part of part of oh, the, after the whole UBI thing, like that's he wants to stop focusing on metrics like um like GDP and start focusing on metrics like how happy are we? That's that's like one of his core value props of of why he wants to to get, to get elected is to refocus what numbers that we focus on and re- replace them with like. How clean is our air? How happy and educated are our kids? Like, what, like, how do we feel? Stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the right way to do it, right? You know, if your job is to be president and to be a leader of a country, the only thing that you should be worried about is, are my people working? Are they safe? And are they happy? And if you can answer those three things as yes, then you're a successful president. You're definitely going to get reelected, right? Like, the we're taking the contrarian view of like, how do I stay in power? Well, if I can make my people unhappy with everyone else, if I can make them fearful, they're going to lose their job if I'm not there. And if I can make them feel like the entire world's going to attack us, if I'm not in charge of our diplomacy, then I can stay in power. And it's just like, yeah. And now you have a bunch of people who are angry, scared, and uh, uh, unhappy, totally on edge. And it's just come on. Like what, why are we allowing this even to happen? Uh, I don't know, but you know, I don't even have a good answer for it, or a solution for it. So it's not that helpful to bring it up.
1: I don't want to talk about how Bitcoin fixes. I actually want to talk about how the internet fixes this. Uh, I love, I absolutely love the internet. And like David, I have I learned more. Cool too. I've learned more <laughs> about the world from the internet, from self-directed education, from in, just having a genuine interest in something than I ever learned from any sort of educational process That has been kind of waterfalled or bestowed upon me prior to that. You know, I've always been a smart kid that performed averagely in school. I think that it's pretty obvious that I'm like, I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn or anything, but I I think that I'm relatively intelligent just because of, you know, where I've been able to put myself at this point in my life. I think a lot of that stems generally, genuinely from just being interested and curious. And that's where the internet really like, allows you to thrive is because if you're genuinely interested and curious and want to be a part of something, the internet allows you to do that. Um, and I, I think that the internet fixes a lot of this and that decentralized education and information fixes a lot of this. And, you know,
2: Bitcoin is just a subset of what the internet is doing to the world. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I totally agree. And this kind of brings us back to education, which gets me a little pumped up uh, because ultimately what is education's job, if not to make you insanely curious and insanely shrewd about uh, understanding what information you're interacting with, understanding how to you know, critique it, where its uh, weaknesses are, where its strengths are, and be able to just wrestle with broad concepts that are intangible, right? That's what uh, thats what uh, education is for, uh, and that is not at all like not—it's the exact opposite of what education is doing, and or what has, it has become. What it has become, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that it it was right, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, I'm saying that it's never been perfect, uh, but it's it's started to evolve into the wrong thing. And that's because of the incentives of education. And like, let me jump into that real quick and like rant on it, but it's a quick rant, right? The incentives, let's start at a college level. All right. If you're in college uh, and you're at a university, you know, I went to the University of Alabama Roll Tide. Uh, I was in a great honors program there, but the university as a whole uh, failed me. And here's why. Uh, It is incentivized to get me a good grade so that I can present my education from them as top tier that I was one of the smartest in the class I will get a good job I will go on and work that job and I will pay back to the university for the degree that they gave me right and uh anyone who graduate or first of all anyone who doesn't graduate is basically a sunk cost because you went to the university and they probably paid, like you paid them as much as they had to pay their salaries and their taxes and their, you know, like they are probably break even from uh, uh, tuition costs. All right. Very inefficient institution. Uh, but they're hoping that their long-term investment into you, you will pay off in the long run. And they only need a few people to really pay off in order for them to be profitable. Right. Because those are the ones that will be, be big boosters that will help their endowment, all that kind of stuff. By right? building. Uh, so they want as many people to pass their classes and they want you to get as good of a grade as possible. And what that means is that the people who are the smartest, like by far the smartest and the hardest working are going to get maybe the same grade as someone who is average smart and incredibly hardworking. And the fact that like we can no longer distinguish the two in uh, school is a tragedy in my opinion. Like how do you... Distinguish between someone who is brilliant and can come up with ideas and work on things that are world changing and is creative and is creative, yes, all of these things. Uh, a leader from, from someone who is, you know, gonna come in and be an amazing follower, right? He's gonna, uh, he or she's gonna come in and like work the job, do it to a T, uh, you know, help you succeed, uh, but they're not, not think for themselves, but they're not the, the visionaries <laughs> who are gonna go out man. and change the world. And and both are needed, right? But it's like, how do you uh, uh, distinguish between those two if your education system doesn't do doesn't do that? Um, yeah, go ahead.
0: I had a pretty comparable experience when I was uh, going through uh, the whole personal training uh, part of my life, where uh, you need a, a license to be a personal trainer, but there's like twenty of them, and so I picked the easiest one because I just wanted to skip to it. And so it's it's the one that like everyone has, and so you spend you spend like two or $300 signing up for, to take the exam. And then you can buy like, you know, a couple hundred dollar textbooks, practice exams, all the materials. Uh, and so like they, they both provide the test that you have to pay money for. And then they provide all the materials to help you pass the test, which you also pay money for. And then when you get your exam, you can take it to uh, the gym and be like, yeah, I have a, I have a license and they're like, all right, can you make sales? Because that's what really personal training is, and so like when after I go through like my human performance and nutrition degree, and I have all of these uh, things to share, and I I I personally spend a ton of time um, just learning about kinesiology and the and the gym and and the right way to move your body, which is not reflected in what I learned in the test. It was just uh, there was just total uh, asynchrony from the things that I do in the gym because I do them because I think that they are the right things to do and the things that were on the, the program. There was just a total dichotomy. And it had no help in me getting the job because the job was all sales-based. Um, and so it was just a, a nice little microcosm of that.
2: Yeah, uh, it's like you're speaking my language 100%. Even more so, half of what it sounds like you learned by doing these classes and taking these courses and like becoming a personal trainer uh, mm-hmm. is rote memorization. Absolutely. And what value does rote memorization bring us in a world where everything is at your fingertips on google you know Mm. like why are we still valuing things like uh memorize these dates and you know who killed who in the war of eighteen? you know like what what is the point of all these things uh and learning all these facts when you don't need to know these facts in order to be successful you got to figure out how do I use the internet? How do I use my understanding of X, Y, and Z to then learn uh, uh, A, B, C? You know, and it's like we don't encourage that. We don't teach for that anymore. And because of that, no one's learning how to even begin to understand things that aren't spoon fed to them. And who's the spoon feeders in our in our world today? It's the New York Times. It's you know CNN. It's ABC. It's it's hey, everyone. Don't give Fox News a pass, too. They're fucking feeding some shit. Oh, well, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right. Feeding Fox- the cow some goddamn Skittles. Fox News started. It, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Fox News is sponsored by Skittles. You heard it here first. But uh, uh, <laughs> but no, like, how are we ever going to be? Uh, like, how can we expect more out of ourselves that we're not going to elect a Donald Trump as president <laughs> uh, when we can't even understand how to look past uh, the basic kind of lies and, and rhetoric that's being just peddled to us. So, you know, I've rated about this a little bit. Uh, I think that ultimately we have to figure out a way to bring ourselves away from grading or ramp up grading 100% to where the only the smartest of the smartest who are the hardest working people get A's. And every average student out there, uh, gets C's and, uh, and like half the people who take a class fail, you know, like, where's that happening? Why mm-hmm. can't we fail right. people anymore? Like mm-hmm. all these kind of like, there's no incentives to do this, right? Because if you're a high school and right. you fail people, then now your graduation right. rates look bad. Your college placement looks bad. Now you're not a good high school and you're failing, you know, like, that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're college and you do that, now you don't have half your people going out and getting jobs. And if they're not getting jobs, you're not getting paid. And like it. There's no incentive structure in order to actually uh, uh, make people wrestle with uh, difficulties in learning uh, and thereby doing so learn how to learn. Uh, And because of that, we're all just like, I mean, we're in a bubble of knowledge where we think we know stuff and we think that we're going to be able to tackle new problems that arise. And in actuality, we are so ill-prepared that uh, we're going to rely on Elon Musk to solve literally every single problem we have because he's the only person who can like think freely and, you know, actually move on stuff. Mm -hmm. And
0: So I I think a lot of the the crypto community will be able to empathize this because if you want to be educated in crypto, there's no class you take, right? There's no course you go to. And so it's this thing that I've been calling like open source education where you kind of just have to figure it out. Uh, and then you're basically graded by Twitter, right? And so, like, you learn things, and then you go to Twitter and you put in your work showing what you've learned, right? And and like, before I was on Twitter, Christian, Christian got me onto Twitter. I didn't know that that that's that Twitter was this magical place that it really is. But it really is the center of crypto, and I think it will forever, forever will be, because it's the place where open source education, where people come to show off their open source education. And so like this whole um, this whole what I was talking about earlier about all the nutrition nutritionists practitioners who are, you know, boots on the ground trying things out. They follow this very same principle. There is a very robust side of nutrition and kinesiology Twitter where people are, you know, sharing and bouncing ideas off of each other. And it's the same open source education principle. And I bet there are, are way more pockets than just that. But it's all a a huge – it's coming out of a a big dissatisfaction with the status quo of information and knowledge because the the internet, certain institutions have captured information and captured knowledge, and now they have the power to lobby for that information and knowledge, right? And so I think a lot of this, like, organic uh, uprising of – uh, much of organic information is coming out, and it's coming out through Twitter, uh, and, and we can see that in crypto, and we can see that in in
2: other industries as well. I agree. Uh, I mean, Twitter is like this free-flowing information uh, source, and that's it's really freeing in a lot of ways. I will say, I have critiques on Twitter uh, in that you have followers, not friends. You have uh, you're you're broadcasting instead of conver- like having conversations and I don't know how to solve this problem, but because of it uh, the most outraged, the most extreme viewpoint, the most, I am intolerant of your position uh, is the one that's heard and signaled the most. And so I don't know how we fix that issue. If we can fix that, and I think Twitter becomes the perfect platform. No, I disagree. Really?
0: Yeah. Uh, because I think that kind of alludes to what you were talking about with like you want the classroom to fail 50% of the time. Well, you we want to hammer down on what people are wrong about. And so like, yeah, Twitter's going, you're going to get hammered by Twitter for whatever opinion that you share. But if you say something actually wrong, then you are really going to get hammered. Like look at Amin Soleimani. I mean, maybe you didn't pay attention to it, but this was some Ethereum drama. Uh, anyways, basically individual A says something that was generally controversial uh, amongst everyone and then everyone came and uh, voiced that opinion. And so like if you say one opinion and then one or two people will say like I disagree. Well that's that's one thing because the people that do agree kind of stay silent, right? They like tweet, they like like it and uh, reply it but maybe they don't comment I agree because that's what liking is for. Um, and so like it's, it's kind of a, like they're not equally represented but uh, I would say like a lack of Dissent is therefore agreement.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see what you mean. The only counter argument I would say to that is that, you know, Twitter, because of the way that you are so incentivized to call out the other person when you disagree, instead of having a private conversation where it's nuanced and you say why you disagree and you like kind of talk about, uh, uh, you know, what are the fundamental points and like how do we agree and how do we disagree, like all that kind of stuff, because that is not good content for Twitter, it doesn't happen. And so ultimately you get everyone just further resolved in their own side and never actually coming to any sort of consensus or growth or understanding. And that's, that's what I'm critiquing.
1: Twitter is not for nuance. Sorry. 280 yeah. characters, 140 characters, whatever. It's not for nuance. It's for making mm-hmm. statements. It's for trolling. It's for making <laughs> announcements. It's it. nuances for podcasts nuances for Telegram nuances for dms but it's not for twitter yeah it's not what the medium is used for and i don't want it to be for
2: i don't want it to be like that but it is for learning and so we have to figure out how to balance the fact that i want to come to twitter for information but i also don't want to uh like i also want to come somewhere for the conversation and the nuance around that information and it's like uh do I have to now go to Twitter, find out the facts, and then jump on another podcast and find out what actually all of this means kind of thing? Like, that's inefficient. I want the platform that has the information and allows for, you know, critical thinking around this information uh, both in the same place. And that's what – that is my critique. It's like it's lacking that. And so because of that, I would still call it an imperfect platform
1: can 't be perfect, you guys. Perfect. This was an awesome this was an awesome show. This was very, very different than what I expected <laughs> and what past p o v crypto shows have been. A lot of agreeing here. A lot of agreeing. I don't know if I like it so much. but uh, yeah, Bitcoiners
0: Brandon, and Ethereans agree way more than they disagree. We just focus on what we disagree, which is what Twitter does.
2: Yeah, it's the funny part, right? Like uh, we probably agree on 98% of everything that we're talking about, right? But we only yeah. focus on the 2% where we're like dead against yeah. each other. And it's, it's mm-hmm. funny.
1: But yeah, uh, it's Brandon… Me. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for stimulating such a interesting and, and nuanced conversation, and a conversation that uh, we all seem to be on the same page about. Uh, where can people find
2: you? I, I personally think that you are chronically underfollowed on Twitter. <laughs> well, so you know, I, I have to give it up to you guys. You guys are the like consummate uh, content creating professionals. Like uh, you guys put out great content all the time. You're always on Twitter. You're always talking. And so because of that, you guys get great followings. Uh, even though David has twice the following of you, I think, Chris More than twice, man. Uh, <laughs> um, well, three,
0: is, that, is it three times now? It's not three
2: times, is it?
1: Oof. Oh, God. Oof. It's embarrassing. I'm I'm just not as good at Twitter as David is.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm worse than both of you. So, uh, you know, I'm on there. I'm at Brandon underscore D underscore green. I'm going to work on getting a better handle, but that's what I've got right now. Come give me a follow. I tweet rarely, but when I tweet, I like to think that it's interesting. And don't forget that Brandon called, you know, 7K maybe is the local bottom, and then like maybe 18 or 19K by the end of the year or close to early next year.
0: Oh, by the end of the year? No way. (laughs) Never say never.
1: You can follow me guys at CK underscore Snarks. This is like three beer Christian, so forgive me if I've been a little sloppy on this podcast, but I hope I directed it in the right direction. You can follow the podcast at POV CryptoPod
0: david you can find me at trustless state both on twitter and on medium i actually bought ether during the podcast well
1: is it because of brandon because brandon usually makes me
0: bullish on bitcoin um no it's because i wanted to buy more
2: (laughs) no credit for me (laughs)